podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the Rangers Really. This is your second part of the season review 2022-23. My name is Stevie Clifford. I'm in the host seat this week and joining us as normal last week's host, regular co-host, all things heart and hand, Mr Cameron Bell. How are you mate? I'm good mate, I'm good. Um, a bit cathartic after doing the show last week. It was interesting to to read some of the comments and stuff, I think uh, we got some pretty positive feedback about being pretty fair uh, in our assessments and stuff. And looking forward to talking a little bit more about some of the brighter things of what may be considered a pretty dull season. Yeah, and where we left it last week was Michael Beale's appointment, um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's reign coming to an end in the World Cup shutdown. Um, he finished his time in charge with um, defeat at St Johnston, a, a victory over Hearts at home, and then a draw at St Mirren. Uh, Rangers waited a week and then decided to pull the plug. There was a, a week or so went by, and then Michael Beale was announced as new Rangers manager. Cammy, did it surprise you at all? Do you think, or did you think at the time, it was the right appointment? And just looking back on it all, were, was difficult question perhaps, but was it the right thing to do? And was he the right appointment? Um, I think he was with the benefit of hindsight because uh, our issue uh, in terms of the games that you've just mentioned, obviously, uh, was consistency against teams, the other teams in the league. Uh, and, and we didn't have that. Obviously, Beale had been up, uh, I think it was for the Aberdeen game, um, and he was kind of in and around the in and around the stadium and had been frequenting a few Rangers bars and all of that kind of stuff, Stevie. So I think people started to put, you know, two and two together. It was going to be interesting because uh, we needed someone who was ready to take probably the next step in their career, which we had had some success with under Stephen Gerrard. Um, and I think, as we mentioned in last week's show, I'm very much of the belief that once the fan base has made up its mind. I think it's very, very seldom that you ever get uh, get it changed back again. So a good decision, I think, to bring in Beal uh, brings in a player. And I think, you know, as, as I remember saying at the time, the only thing I would have been concerned about with Michael Beal coming in would have been the players who had been underperforming and under-delivering, thinking that this was now... Uh, oh, we've got a bit of a kind of easy street because we've got a guy coming in who we've got a good relationship with. He won't push us too hard. They had to be able to produce results. Uh, that was the most important thing. Performances would be nice as well. So, yeah, I was keen to see what, what changes he would implement. So one of the first things Michael Beale said when he first came in was that the squad wasn't as broken as what people think, that he didn't think that major changes were required and that set off some alarm bells but as we will later discover and we'll touch back on this this point um his viewpoint would obviously begin to to change or perhaps it had always been um aligned with what many of the fans think but we'll get to that because that's a really interesting thing he starts off um three two winners against hibs three two winners at aberdeen if you remember scotty arfield very famously scored 
in 92-94 kind of time-ish. It was certainly two and added on time. Then we win at Ross County. We beat Motherwell. And then it comes to Celtic at Ibrox. We draw two each. We are 1-0 down at half-time. And then a very quick equaliser, Ryan Kent. And then a James Tavernier penalty. We concede late on to draw 2-2. Cammy, out of the first kind of five games or so, we don't need to cover this, obviously, in depth because uh, regular listeners will know that that's the whole point in the monthly kind of catch-up. But I was generally, I was keen to find out with you know a few weeks having passed that 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 takes us into January transfer window. What did you make of Michael Beale's star and also the things he had to say? Yeah, I mean he, he's he's far more. I mean we still know that now, don't we? That he's far more vocal uh, than probably previous managers. I think Stephen Gerrard was deliberately coy with the media. He's he's very very media savvy, Gerrard, and. I think Van Bronckhurst probably just, it wasn't part of his makeup to be so vocal, whereas Michael Beale was. And I think that he probably felt he had to come in and set some expectations with the fan base about where the team had been performing. You know, managers don't get sacked, Stevie, because you're producing good results. So he, he probably came in to have a look at, uh, at the squad for himself firsthand. And I think for me, when you see those those back-to-back 3-2 wins. And let's let's face facts, I mean, you know, Pataudry was a brilliant, but the result was brilliant. The performance, I think, left something to be desired. Obviously, the first game against Hibs, when we go a goal down thanks to that idiot Porteous. But come back, we get those results against it, then we look towards the Celtic game. I think what that, I think what that had to prove to me was... Um, he could look at the, the areas that he knew probably needed focus. He was going to have to work with Ross Wilson about any players that were potentially already on the radar. However, we could produce results and we could produce performances. And let's face it, we, we should have won that old firm game in January. So I think for me, it didn't really change, change too much of the narrative because we knew that there had to be surgery done. Um, but for some players, I think just the change in manager just gave them a lift anyway. It tends to happen. It's that, you know, that that dead cat bounce. And I think that he was really keen to be able to try and get an assessment of the players when he first came in and continue that narrative of we don't necessarily need to do wholesale changes here. We do need to, to, to be more precise in where we need to recruit. So the next nine games after that draw, Michael Beale would or Michael Beale Rangers would win. Um two not Dundee United, two one Aberdeen this League Cup semi final, three two at um Kilmarnock, which was infamously the John McLaughlin game where we well, we haven't seen him since. One 0 at St Johnston, two 0 at home to St Johnston, three 0 at Hearts, probably performance of the season, certainly under Beale arguably or one of them. Um, 2-1 at home to Ross County, 3-2 against Thistle in the Scottish Cup for the very controversial moment. And then we won 3-0 at Levy, which took us right up to the League Cup final at the end of February. Now, as I said, we don't need to go through game by game, but something else happened in January which was massively important, which was the arrival of Todd Cantwell and Nicola Raskin. I'll tell you now, Cammy, I, I was really excited about Nicola, uh, Nico Raskin. Very, very excited I had my reservations over Todd Cantwell because obviously he came with a wee bit of noise um, unfairly. One of the things I said to him on the very first day um, when he was presented to the press and when he spoke to press was that, you know, he's going to have to work hard and 
is that something he can do? And he, he shot it down immediately and said, I don't know where I've, where this has come from. And he, it's it's followed me about the last couple of years, but I work hard and I'll give absolutely everything. We were later to see that that's uh, turned out to be spectacularly true. But the arrival of Cantwell and Raskin, Michael Beard spoke a lot in January about transfers. He says that, that he wanted three or four. We got two. We're in a beautiful position because we're sitting in you know the middle of June and we can look back and say that was excellent business. But at the time, your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, um, I won't be a hypocrite because I think that uh, not just myself, I think a lot of us have got scar tissue over players coming in there's always focus on contracts and the fact that we paid for these guys to come in when they had time running out their contracts and you're right around that speculation around Cantwell um because people were saying you know the the whole he's barely played he's not in favor you know etc etc there has to be something behind that um and you know Stevie you and I are I think are both both realists we know that Rangers will have to shop in that kind of market if we're shopping down south because, you know, we've just done exactly the same thing with Jack Butland. We're going to have to get players who are not going to be playing regularly, but we can give them the lure of regular playing time with, you know, competition, um, especially in a European stage. So for me, I was I was cautiously optimistic, I think it's fair to be fair, fair to say, but the challenge we bring in players like Cantwell who have been a little bit out in the cold is how much they'll take to it. You know, what will they accept that challenge head on? Um, and listen, as you say, you know, there's no doubt between the two of them. They've, they've, they've both been absolutely fantastic. Um, they, they are always the exceptions whenever we talk about, you know, any other performances that we have going forward and the League Cup final, certainly tournament to that, that uh, they don't get criticism they're, they're, they're solid workers they've got some good flair they've got dig and by and large they're exactly what we needed so I think arguably our best signings in, in many a year so yeah as I say at the time I'm not going to pretend that I was you know doing cartwheels because again I, I wanted to see how he would have went I, I still stand by the fact that I don't think Ross Wilson over the pieces recruited well anyway but I was keen to know how much Beal had had them put into this, or was it someone that Wilson already had an radar? And I think after that, we found out it was more a, a Beal emphasis. So, yeah, the two of them have been absolutely fantastic since coming in for us. And uh, and Raskin took a little bit longer. He uh, he took a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed, and you know, across the, the the second half of the season, you know, been able to try and see out games and stuff as well. But um, yeah, if we can get more of those types of players in with that kind of hunger and desire, then. You know, as I say, I, I really, really look forward to the beginning of the next season. The first big test under Michael Beale came and went with the League Cup final. Rangers would fall to two goals from Kyogo, a late, um, well, not actually, sorry, Alfredo Morelos got one back in the 64th minute and Rangers, you know, contrived to miss chances at 1-0. Fashion Sakala would miss an open goal, which came out from a, a rebound. I think Ryan Kent had a shot, which um, Joe Hart saved into his path and he put, put wide. First big, I don't know if, if we say it's first big test. Obviously, there'd been an old form in, in January, but that was the, the big must-win game. Rangers fall flat. There's a lot said about team selection, which didn't include Raskin or Cantwell. Um, manager citing afterwards that he wasn't ready. And this, Cammy. This was interesting for me. 
I spoke to him in the press conference afterwards and I asked him outright. I said, now do you understand why the fans said when you first come in that wholesale changes and a, a complete rebuild was was um, necessary? Um, he had called it a revamp, but he understood was his reply. Um, but he's got to work with the players. And that was the first time we ever heard Michael Beale break kind of narrative, which from that point up until then had been that we, we wanted to work with the squad and wanted to keep the players. But that's the first time he was pressed on it. Rangers were notoriously poor. I think especially in the first half, there was nothing really happening. There was a lot said about the manager's selection. And then he takes off Morelos just, just after he'd actually pulled one back. So there was a lot of criticism and there was a lot of people, you know, using that um, as examples of, of why perhaps he didn't want to be in the first place. We obviously don't need to reflect on the game, Cammy, because we've been there, we've done that, we certainly don't want to go over it again, but Michael Beale, that was a difficult, difficult game for him, and certainly a difficult weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was, and listen, I'm never happy about losing cup finals, I'm certainly never happy about losing to that lot, um, and it was a sore one, there's no doubt about it, and I think, you know, as you said at the time, Steve, I think the challenge that we got within that cup final was that he was steadfast that he was not changing it before the 60-minute mark. And Celtic got their second, I think it was four or five minutes shy of that. And had we been able to make changes or, you know, been able to, 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 to press and been able to try and really take it to them and be more clinical in terms of the chances we talk about, then maybe it would have been a different story. And the reason as to why I say I'm... I'm not happy about it, but in retrospect, you know, I think Bill learned a lesson from it. And sometimes it can be easy to forget that despite his experience in football across a number of continents, this is his first senior first senior position. And I think, you know, again, like you say, I, I try and always look for the positives, even when we make mistakes or whenever we, we, we have to learn lessons. And for me, that League Cup final, I think, was him starting to do... Something similar to what Gerard had to do, which was learn how to beat Celtic, learn how to probably hate them, if I can be archaic within that, because I still think that there's a physical element to it, which we had to match them on. And, and we started to look better in the two games under Beal by this stage in the in the old firms. But all that being said, it's still, uh, you know, we still talk about it as it was a selection error. Um I, I believe him, by the way, I'm not suggesting for a minute that he's telling porkies when he's talking about uh, Cantwell or asking not being fit to play because, you know, we know that the guys were still coming in, they were still finding their feet with it. But you've seen the difference, Stevie, that, that Todd Cantwell can make in all firm games. Um, and it was a sore one, there's no doubt about it. But I, I, I think that that was the sliding doors moment because you mentioned there about the run of games that we'd had domestically in the league up to that stage. And that was the consistency that we were, we were really lacking under Van Bronckhurst. Being able to get that and then be able to properly lay a glove on Celtic in the League Cup final, I I don't know, maybe gives them a wobble. I, I'm not too sure, we'll never know. But for me, that was probably what they needed to cement that, that run, you know, domestically, because they were doing pretty well themselves, unfortunately. Um, and had we been able to change that dynamic, then who knows? Who knows what could have happened? Uh, but yeah, definitely a, a big test, which sadly the manager came up short on. 
we would bounce back, which is or which has been a theme under Michael Beale. We we beat Kilmarnock three one. We win at Easter Road four one. Um, after conceding early, we we storm back and probably again like Tyne Castle was was one of the best performances of the season. Antonio Cholak shown a glimpse of perhaps what he still has to offer. Then we beat Rafe three 0 pretty mundane Scottish Cup quarter final. Win at Motherwell four two. And then home at Dundee United 2-0. So it was all quite routine as such. Then we go to Parkhead and we are beat 3-2. But although we're beating 3-2, it's interesting because we actually played pretty well. James Tavernier scores a worldy, a worldy of a, a free kick equaliser. And then Rangers contrive after a good opening 10 minutes in the second half. They miss opportunities and then they blow their foot off. Ben Davis has a complete nightmare. He goes to clear and then heads it straight back in, which which lands, I think, at the feet of Jota, possibly Abada, I can't remember who it was, but they, they put it in. And then John Suter has a, a horrible moment with a, a sloppy back pass. And I think Jota this time rounds Alan McGregor and, and slots it in. Tav would pull another goal back. He also then missed a, a late header. No criticism of him there, by the way, because he literally was a one-man show. But Rangers would go down 3-2. Um... That, Cammy, that was enough for me to know that we were on the right track. Now, that sounds weirdly ridiculous because we'd just been beaten 3-2. And as much as it put us 12 points behind and it kind of signalled the end of the, the league you know, campaign because we had won every single league game under Michael Beal apart from that 2-2 draw at New Year. So we'd been on a terrific run, but that was the end of it. And... My feeling was at the time, and I certainly still hold that now, we've seen enough to know that by the time that Beal gets his own players in and revamps this front line, because I don't know if you remember, at that point the front line had completely died a death. So we were getting nothing, no return from Kent or Morelos or anything. And we went there and on a better day, with no mistakes, with other players and, and things like that, I think we could have got a result. And there was enough there under Michael Beale's tactical sort of setup and everything else for me to think, you know, what we've done all right here with what we've got. Is that fair? Yeah, well, that's totally fair. I think, again, it's it's when you remove the emotion of an old firm game out of the con- out of the context, because, you know, you look back on it probably with a camera head, you, you see the fact that there was an opportunity to get out of them. And you've got to remember, and listen, you know, I've, I've said this before, this is the game that more or less seals the league, as you mentioned before, Steve, we go from nine points to 12 points. Uh, again, I'm not here to, to, to Lord Celtic, but, you know, we were incredibly consistent, again, as you mentioned, within the league. And this was his first opportunity. And that was probably his first league challenge to be able to try and put against them. And so they probably knew a win, more or less, you know, puts it to bed. And I still think, and, and you, you've, you've phrased it perfectly, we contrived to beat ourselves with some horrendous defending. Now, I'm, we're not going to cover all ground by then saying, right, well, I want to blame John Sutter or Alan McGregor for being too, low, uh, too slow off his line or Ben Davis for, you know, cataclysmic schoolboy defending because, you know, we've, we've sang that song already. But, you know, if you remember that game, Stevie, what we, Carter Vickers was booked early doors. And through no fault of Michael Beale, but I think more because of the players, I think I'd said to people at the time, as soon as he got booked, I was like, we will not go near him for the rest of the game. And we didn't didn't get anywhere near him. And when your centre-half's booked and you're in trouble, 
that's when for me there has to be a and, and you can have all of the tactical nous that you want, but I still think that there's some some smarter play that you can bring into it. Um and we didn't do that. And so all of these little things, it's all very well and good going to Parkhead and, and performing well, scoring free kicks that, you know, if it was Cristiano Ronaldo scoring it would be shown around the world. But again, when you get to that stage of it has to be better at the back, um, because even going forward, we were pretty toothless. So when you make your own mistakes, you're going to pay for them. And um, as weird as it sounds, and I, I totally get where you're coming from, I did feel more confident because if we went over there and it had been a 4-0 whitewash to Celtic, they were having a parade. We looked completely clueless, then OK, fair enough. But we dug and we fought to get ourselves back into that game after going behind twice. And again, like I say, a complete brain fart from John Sewer. But irrespective of all of that, we went and held our own. And I think that's what we really wanted, especially over there. So it showed improvement. It showed incremental improvement. And with a team that we know was struggling to put a tune together against them at the beginning of the season, and I think it, 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 it did look pretty positive. Another thing that happened that day, Cammy, and I'll briefly touch on it, was... If you remember, you said quite rightly pointed out Carter Vickers has been booked early. He also had a horrendous short back pass, which Alfredo Morello should have got onto, but didn't. Joe Hart beat him. There was another opportunity on the left hand side. Ryan Kent, a, a square ball rolling, really easy ball. We were we were two over. Malik Tillman was basically one on one if he had played it in, and we didn't do it. I think at that point, a lot of focus from the support started to think and started to turn towards the fact that both Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent's time here was done. That was an interesting outtake from that game. Rangers would go on to, and I'll come back to that point, that's why I wanted to, to ha- highlight that, I'll come back to it. But Rangers would then beat St Mirren 5-2, a pretty easy game. And at this point, Todd Cantwell really started to come into his own. He would have that run where he laid it on for Scott Arfield. And Rangers fans, I think at this point, kind of really, he he really found his feet. Weirdly saying that we would go up to Pataudry and and falter two nothing, and then we would fall in the semi final against Celtic one 0 The semi final at Celtic one 0 I think was the the final kind of nail in the coffin for Ryan Kent. He would play forty five minutes, and then subsequently we wouldn't see him in the Rangers shirt again. Um, Fashion Sakala would have another moment an open goal miss and, and Rangers would, would huff and puff maybe a better performance overall than the the two one final defeat, but miles, miles, miles short as as unfortunately as we would come. There's not really any positives, Cammy. Obviously we we would lose that um unbeaten League run to everybody else, beaten by Aberdeen 2 nothing. They had a bit of a, a fluke goal, but in the end, Rangers would contrive to miss all the chances in the first half and then subsequently kind of falter in the second semi-final, obviously. I think by this point, it's fair to say everybody was just done, but in terms of the voices that maybe wanted to keep Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent, I think at this point, everybody was unanimous now that they should leave the club. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I think for me, if I'm being honest with you, Stevie, that that gave it Parkhead that we just kind of spoke about there. I was probably at that point already, and I think that for me was 
was sealed because I remember, you know, we, we spoke about it at the time, we spoke about it on pods and stuff at the time was, you know, this this crazy narrative that I was hearing that, you know, people were thinking that Morelos scoring goals, getting back into to some degree of form and stuff, and we should offer him a new contract because if we offer him a new contract and he ups his game and Beal plays him well and all of that kind of stuff, then we can potentially sell him at some point later on. And I'm like, I don't know in what world the Rangers fan base accepts us selling out a premium asset when he's in great form and he would have to be in great form for anyone to be able to come in and buy him. So I just didn't ever think that that was realistic. And I think by this stage, I think, you know, Morelos has kind of made up his mind, you know, time of recording, as far as I'm aware, he still hasn't found another club. Um, I don't know how strenuously he's looking into that, but if you were looking at his last number of games for Rangers, then I, I, I would have serious question marks over whether or not you'd want to be able to try and sign him unless it was on excellent money. Um, and he was willing to take a major dip in what he was getting paid because he was well looked after with Rangers. Ryan Kent was weird for me because I felt that under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, he was anchored out on left-hand side. Beal, and you saw it yourself, Stevie, as soon as he came in, brought him further into the middle. And everyone talks about Ryan Kent and his numbers, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say that, you know, Kent's numbers, you know, went absolutely through the roof. But what I would say is that he looked far more interested. His body language was different under Beal. But I just don't know if by that time we got to the tail end of the season, you know, there's been loads of changes in a team that he, you know, he lost a number of close friends at the beginning of the season. And for me, I think that it's probably been his, his, his mind was already made up by this stage. I'm not saying that he downed tools. I don't mean it like that because I, I think that's an unfair thing to throw at Ryan Kent. But I just think his, his time had kind of come to move on and, you know, again, it's uh, it's sad the way it kind of finished, and I'd love him to be able to go on and do bigger and better things. Because personally, I've always liked Ryan Kent, but uh, yeah, I think as you say, his mind was made up by this point, and um, yeah, that was it, pretty much done and dusted. Yeah, I don't think it's fair that he down tools either, but I think he certainly checked out. I think that is is maybe a fairer. His mind was certainly elsewhere. Something else happened after that semi final, um, and it's the first time again. If you remember right back at the very start of this podcast, I said that we would come back to Michael Beale's comments where he said about this squad not being broken. After the League Cup final, he said maybe a revamp. After that semi-final, I, I said to him, and he spoke about for the first time about a rebuild and not being able to say it before because he still had a squad of players to work with. He also mentioned that players would leave and they would have to leave so that the dressing room can begin to rebuild itself and other people can flourish. I then asked him, pointedly, I said, what are we talking about numbers-wise coming in and out? Is it fair to say that a dozen in, dozen out, which meant, you know, 12 in, 12 out, there was no, there was a wee bit of, of kind of um, people were asking, but that's that's exactly what we said at the time. And he said, yes, there will be something in that numbers, especially with the players who are going out of contract. Now, We'll revisit this again when we talk about transfers and things in the middle. But that was the first time he'd properly broke, I think, and agreed with everybody. So that gave him a degree of, I think, not freshness as such, but it, I think people, certainly online in that, went, OK, right, let's reset and let's see what the season finishes with. We would go into the split and we'd beat Aberdeen 1-0 at home. 
Todd Cantwell scoring a pretty memorable volley. That game, also memorable for the fact that Robbie McCrory came in and done really well. And then we beat Celtic 3-0. Cantwell, John Souter and Fashion Scala, Robbie McCrory again with another clean sheet. We go to Easter Road and win 3-1. And, you know, again, pretty emphatic performance. Concede a late goal, which was disappointing. We we then drew 2-2 at home at Hearts after going behind basically 30 seconds in and then conceding with the last kick of the ball in a game which we pretty much dominated out with the two minutes. And Michael Beale summed it up by saying that's the story of our season in both boxes. We would finish with a 3-0 victory at Paisley, a couple from Sakala and one from Cholak. So without going through them, the biggest one, obviously, Cammy, the biggest points to make would be Robbie McCrory, I think, has run towards the end of the season, which he played four out of the five games, done really well. And the the victory over Celtic. Now, the victory over Celtic, the caveat of that being they played a, they made a few changes, which is their prerogative, but we pretty much played them off the park. There was one Robbie McCrory save from, I think it was Matt O'Reilly when he went through after Ryan Jack and made a mistake with a pass back. But aside of that, Tempo was extremely good. Robbie McCrory extremely um, confident in goals as well. Good performances, John Suter. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, can't well run it. But that point in that game, I think we saw the best of Nico Raskin as well, flanked by Lundstrom and Jack. He played a deeper six and was very, very good. I think that gave a lot of breathing space. I think there was a lot of confidence maybe gained for that going into the summer. And although it was a dead rubber, these games, you know, there never is such a thing, perhaps. So... Out of the, the closing games, Cammy, a lot of, you know, obviously Hearts is a bit of a kind of pain. Didn't mean anything, obviously. But um, that old firm game, I think, gives us perhaps some confidence. Yeah, it does. And and I think one of the things that I remember talking to someone about at the time, Stevie, was that, you know, you think about the players who are going to be here next year. Uh, because as much as we talk about the players who we know are going how invested are the players that are here who understand what the job is. So I, I, I refer you to Todd Cantwell's celebration. I refer you to, to John Souter's celebration. Um, I don't think that there is a, an old firm dead rubber as much as we we know it's not compared. I'm not going to sit here and go, yeah, it, it, it's absolutely paved the way for the future because let's face it, it's the next old firm game at Ibrox that's going to be the real, you know, uh, telling game, and 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 where our recruitment has been done, and all the you know the different shape that that's going to take. But it was important. I don't believe for a single minute that you're going to find a Celtic fan who's going to say, "Well, I'm happy to lose three 0 to Rangers." When, um, you know, we 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 knew that we would still get a, a turn up from them. I don't think for a single minute that their players were happy about uh, not being able to win at Ibrox. Um, as confidently as they'd done before and in actual fact it was completely the opposite so I think it was good in terms of being able to try and and build the character of the team I think Todd Cantwell can't wait for the next Old Firm game which is brilliant because that's exactly what you need from someone of his ability being able to come in and control the tempo Raskin again I think is completely correct I I don't know as to whether or not we, 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 I mean we talked there about that kind of deep six role I get that but I'd be interested to see what other recruitment takes place and who goes. I think we we had said the, last week that we fully expect 
Glenn Kamara to go. What John Lundstrom's future is, I don't know. So I still have big expectations that that midfield will continue to to change. But Raskin's into these games now. I mentioned before about the idea of, you know, we have to get there and hate Celtic. And it was a few challenges, if you remember, within that game, Stevie, that, you know, the the both Cantwell and Raskin, you know, they gave as good as they got. I mean, that's just, that's that's exactly what you need. And um, for me, it was really important to be able to try and break that hoodoo for Michael Beale. But I don't think anyone's under any illusions. It, 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 it's it's about what happens uh, at Ibrox next season in the first Old Firm game. Um, and what these players have now done is showing that we can do it. Whatever changes happen within the team, we need to be able to make sure that that's the kind of statements that we're capable of making next season. And, and that's the most important thing now. What we do know so far, as we turn our attention now to recruitment and those outgoing, we know that Alan McGregor, Philip Hollander, Scott Arfield, Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent will all leave the club club this summer with their contract expiring. Rangers have brought in four so far. They've brought in, obviously, Jack Butland has signed Bosman Deal as goalkeeper. Um, Kieran Dowell has arrived, the exact same deal uh, or premise of deal on a, on a Bosman from Norwich. Dujon Sterling, again, Bosman deal from Chelsea. And just this week, Rangers would clinch the signing of Sam Lamars from Atalanta for roundabout, we think, between three and three and a half million. That's not really been clear, clarified, really, but we think he's certainly on, on the you know north side of, of three million pounds, that's for sure. There's still more to come. I think that's also fair. And there will be more leaving, as Cammy just pointed out. You know, we all know Glenn Kamara's future is up in the air. John Lundstrom, Borna Barisic. There's going to be a lot of freshness now brought into this team. I would speculate and guess we're looking at anywhere between another four to six coming in and the exact same leaving. When you think about guys like Scott Wright, John McLaughlin, um, you know, Ben Davies, Yanis Hadji, Glenn Kamara. Um, to mention just a few, then there's there's question marks over, you know, a few of them in there. Obviously, you've got the likes of Antonio Chola. There's still room, Cami, for a lot more business to be done. And there's also room for players coming in. We, I think we have scratched the surface in terms of the deals that we've done so far. Michael Beale says we're ahead of schedule, which I probably think we are. There's a good recruitment in there goalkeeping-wise. We've signed a forward couple of the other boys, Dowell and Sterling, are maybe slightly under the radar, but will add strength and they will be able to fight and, and want to contribute to the first team as much as possible. I'm not saying they won't. Um, that's not my point, but maybe, you know, the likes of Jack Buttons, we know is coming as a starter, so is Sam Lamar. So, more deals to be done. Who would you... This is obviously speculation before we go any further, Cammy. I think that's fair to say. It's not based on anything, but who would you think maybe doesn't have a future? And where would you like to see the recruitment go from here? Um, I think probably guys like Scott Wright, he's not featured enough. I think that the manager has, has, has made that clear. I think Glenn Kamara started that uh, game against Hearts. I think we talked about that last week, Stevie, but he, talked, uh, he, he started that game against Hearts when obviously it was a swan song for... Uh, the five guys who we knew were were, were going to be leaving, and uh, I, I I think that you could piece that 
together now as well that, that Glenn Kamara expects to go. Yanis Hadji is a weird one because I there's always speculation about Yanis Hadji, always, especially in Turkey, right? Um, and it seems every two minutes there's a new Yanis Hadji rumour. And whilst I totally understand it, I think that, uh, you know, he, he, he started to come back into a game following a horrendous injury in a long time out of the game. And I think a club buying him would have to be very wary of that. Now, I'm not saying that Yanis Hadji couldn't contribute towards the team. I definitely think that there's absolutely some talent in there. But at the same point as well, I don't know many Rangers fans who are turning and saying, yeah, that's him back and he's going to be back consistently. So anyone buying him would have to understand that as a risk. Uh, Borna Barisic, I, I do feel, will probably go. Um, I think he probably feels like that sea of change that's going to come in will probably end up taking him out of Ibrox. Don't necessarily have an issue with that. I think Yilmaz can play well against Celtic when they play a more fluid style of football and they don't have as big a, uh, a opponent, but the rest of the domestic league is going to have can hammer throwers in there. So Yilmaz is going to have to be quicker or he's going to have to be tougher on a more consistent basis than what we've seen thus far. But again, another one who's been hampered by injury since kind of coming in. Um, and Ben Davis, I, I, I don't know, is my honest answer. I see a lot of people have written him off. I was really concerned when I saw some of his positional play. I don't know if that game that we spoke about at Parkhead has solidified those doubts in a lot of people's minds. But, you know... I suppose he has to want it, Stevie, is probably the easiest way I can say it. If he can sit down with the manager and say, look, terrible debut season, I want to get better, I'm here to stick it out, that's my thoughts, brilliant. But if he also sits down with the manager and says, it's not working, it's not what I thought it was going to be, maybe we just cut ties, then, as I say, we, we look to find a deal for him and then off he goes. So it is very much up in there, there's no doubt about that. McLaughlin, I think, has to move, which I'm, I'm fine with because I'm an advocate of Robbie McCrory. I think we need to start thinking about succession planning, but even McCrory's not getting any younger. So I still stand by what I've said before, that we need to be able to give some of these uh, some of these games to Robbie McCrory, um, whether he's a cup goalkeeper or whatever, I don't know. I know that's not always great, and people will say, well, rotations killed us previously. But if we keep Butland as a solid number one, then I think intra-squad competition is always good. So therefore, Butland should know that he's got a goalkeeper behind him who'll be chomping at the bit to take the jersey off him. And that's that's a healthy thing, Stevie. So, yeah, I, I do expect that there will be changes. I do think that we will have to start looking at budget in terms of not just the, the upfront cost for transfer fees, but also what each player is going to be making on a week-to-week. Jack Butland took a wage decrease, but he won't be on pennies and if we want to attract other players especially mainland continental players then we're going to have to be able to try and make sure there's money there for them and that might have to see us being um, probably a little bit more ruthless than we have done in previous years around trimming the squad a little bit more effectively So what about incomings? We've obviously signed a goalkeeper so you would you would think maybe that's fine we've signed fullback stroke centre half in Sterling Dowell's coming in for midfield balance and then you've got Sam Lamarche who's going to come in as a number 10. So what do we need? How many do we need? And what would you like to see come in? I think we need... So, again, 
easy easy get out of this obviously but i suppose it still does depend on who goes but uh i definitely would like to see us sign another fullback and center back i would like to see us sign another striker someone on the left hand side um and probably probably another right winger as well so I'd, I'd be happy for us if we're talking about three or four additions i would be happy with another midfielder and then i think we have to spread out the additional signings at the back and at the front so we probably need to be able to kind of consider what our assets will look like once some of that transfer dealing is going on so like i say if ben davis does leave we do need a replacement for him to come in there I'm not jinxing John Souter, but ultimately Souter has had injury concerns. There's no point rewriting history. So therefore, if Davis does go, then I think we need to think about how do we um, how do we consider uh, bringing in someone as covered within there as well. If Barisic goes, we've really got two critical points of failure in the fact that we've got Tavernier and we've got Yilmaz. So we need to bring in cover for them. And again, like you say, we're, we're pinning a lot of hopes on a striker that I think has been interesting for how um, it's it's probably split the support, I think, in terms of Lammers coming in and, and, and what he's delivered thus far. So I think we need to be able to try and do a little bit more on that as well. Yeah, I think all that's fair. Um, you know, obviously, Lammers, you know, stat-wise, everybody's going to point to that. I think that's completely fair and obvious, but... I'm still willing to give him a chance. I think everybody's got to do that. And I, I don't want to be in a position where this boy's come in and we're, and we're immediately on our back. I think, Cammy, what I would say is, you know, going out, I think there's there's room, I think, for six maybe to go. And I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in there is somewhere that we somebody that we've not thought of potentially going out the door. I never rule that out. I think the one's obvious we maybe mentioned her and then amongst the squad. That would that interestingly, if, if we did put six out, you would your outgoings would be around about eleven. So that that goes back to what we said before to Michael Beale. And then incomings we've we've got four. I still think I'm like you, a centre back position is absolutely vital. I think if Ben Davis goes, you might want to look at two Left back, you're going to need to fix because if Borner doesn't want to stay or he's not renewing or whatever, then potentially I think it might be the right time for him to go anyway. So you've got to look at your left back position. Midfield, I think we're shy of one, potentially, and we need two wingers and we need a striker. So there's still room, massive amount of room to do some business, I think. Um, it's going to It's going to depend on who comes in and who goes out kind of thing as well and there's still room for me, Cammy. I think for for plenty of business, and we need. I still think we need proper number nine. We need a big goal scoring threat. If you look at the ones we've been linked with, that's fine. Somebody like that, I think, is is where you're maybe going to spend the money. But I think it's fair to say, without you know going over what we've said, there's still plenty of work to be done here. There is, but. That's nothing new. So I think that that um, I think that that stands true, irrespective of whatever changes that we've seen in terms of whatever. Um, I think really whatever we expected the end of the season to look like. I didn't want us to be able to get an artificial uh, bump in terms of our expectations because we saw a close season with zero competitive football out well that was a bare minimum for me 
So we still need to be able to do surgery, which for, for I think everybody's agreement, Stevie, is probably at least two years overdue. And that has continued to rack up and rack up and players have left through natural attrition and, and, and other players have left probably because we felt it's the right thing. And I think more of that will continue. Um, it's difficult for us to do, right? I get the the, the desire to criticise Lammers around stats and all the rest of it. But I think the, the, the Rangers fans have to understand, our fan base have to understand that if this guy was banging in goals, he would not be coming to Rangers. Because right now we need to be able to try and find players who can have a degree of form, can have some decent numbers behind them, but we will get outpriced in a market that could far outweigh us. We're still in that space that we need to be able to try and look for bargains. And personally, Steve, I don't think we need to spend, you know, ten million pound on a striker and potentially, you know, the vast majority of our, you know, Champions League qualification, you know, prize pot or whatever on one particular player, I think that it's needed that we can then bring them in. And I think Todd Cantwell is a perfect example of that. You don't need to spend a fortune, but what you do spend, you can get value of, and he's already, for me at least, showing that whatever outlay we had to have for him was absolutely fantastic. And it was a great piece of business, so let's give due credit, um, you know, where it, where, it, where it should be given, that Cantwell and the decision to bring him in early, Raskin as well, I'm not leaving him out, but the decision to bring them in early and pay a fee for them was absolutely the right thing to do if we got to this summer and then potentially missed out on them. I think the the big thing, Cammy, or the possibly we've spoke about obviously Michael Beale's form um, or 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 the form since Michael Beale took over. We've spoke about obviously transfers incoming, outgoings, and things like that. Something else we need to touch on, round about March, certainly after the, the League Cup final defeat, protests started happening, Stuart Robertson and Ross Wilson, the, the main targets of that. Now, for life of me, I can't remember specifically where that happened and began to come into it, but that did happen. Both have subsequently announced that they you know, would leave, Ross Wilson would go to um, not in a forest, and Stuart Robertson tend with his resignation to go and look at something else. Other people have left. We have we've then had Craig Mulholland announce his resignation as as head of youth development. Looks possibly like he might follow Ross Wilson, although he's got plenty of options. I think in America he's got a few offers from out there as well, which is interesting. Funnily enough, at the time, Craig Mulholland completely denied that he would follow. Ross Wilson. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and whether or not that was, you know, with things changing. Also leaving would be Andrew Dixon um, on the board for a very long time, 20 odd years he's gone. Um, Kenny Barkley, head of finance, would also leave. And there has been kind of wholesale changes off the bat, off the field. James Bisgrove is the club's new CEO. Nick Thompson is now the head of communications, which was a role that he shared with Alistair Morrison, who has also left the club. Both of them took over when David Graham left, obviously last October time. So there's been a real sea of change off the pitch. Now, we asked for this. I think that's fair. Um, they certainly, the, the protests against both Robertson and Wilson would indicate we asked for this, but it's went longer. John Bennett has spoken and he has kind of said in a, in a meeting with the, the media and things like that, that he felt that um, things were a bit stale and that things had kind of got derailed off the pitch. 
and he wanted more hunger and more desire, which is why the changes have been made. He also said that he began to look at these changes way back um, at the tail end of October last year. So this isn't a decision, obviously, with Douglas Park leaving and John Bennett becoming the new chairman, which was another change. We shouldn't really read into the fact that they've come in and and changed because the club and behind the scenes have known about the change in chairmanship for six months. So it's given Bennett the chance to look from outside, perhaps in, and and really gather what he needed to do. But this is a hell of a lot of changes, Cami. It's big, massive changes for the club. Obviously, we we've kind of touched upon this before, but. We've, we've not had anyone come in. Obviously, as well, you're looking at things like a new women's manager and things like that. So there's a lot of recruitment to be done. Um, we're not really any further forward. But is it fair to say that this is probably on and off the field the, the biggest change that we've seen in certainly a number of years, obviously, but also that how much of you do you think it's needed the freshness, and I'll be careful when I'm saying this because it's a lot of pressure to put on a question and we maybe don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, but do you welcome the changes and the new people obviously coming in? We don't know who they are, so it's again a bit of a blank question, but your thoughts overall, Cammy, on, on the changes off-field? Um, I think it's I think it's been needed Um it, it, there is an argument to say, Stevie, that potentially as a as a Rangers managing director or, or CEO, there's a finite lifespan to that. Um, there's there's a, a political piece that has to come into that, which I think will be interesting to see as to how, Jim's, uh, how uh, James Bisgrove navigates that. And uh, I think that we've got a hungry guy who wants success. Um, has had success in, in, in his previous roles and I think he wants to continue going into that. So I think we've got someone who's definitely got the, the, the desire for that. So that's great. What we need to be able to try and do, and I think that for me, and, and, and I think you and I have spoken about this before in previous points, what, what it felt to me throughout the club, whether you were playing staff or backroom, wherever, was that there had to be degrees of accountability. And I think with John Bennett, as chair, this is probably where I've, I think it's fair to say, Stevie, we've seen changes that have probably been in play, as you mentioned, for maybe quite a wee while. And then once that succession plan kicked in, we then saw stages of that being executed. Um, and I think that that's really important. I think that what we need to be able to do is, is be completely transparent about what the expectation is, whether you're a, a player, a coach, a backroom member of staff, a board member, is that we have been underachieving and under-delivering for our fan base in the last number of years. And, and I, again, I don't say that mildly because I, I don't believe in self-entitlement, but we can do better and we need to be able to see an improvement from what I think was some horrendous transfer dealings, um, some some really poor direction and I think we've changed that with the manager going I think it'll be interesting to see what we do next with the academy uh, the director of football if we decide to to bring someone else in either as a director of football or sporting director or whatever you want to call it um, I think 
Uh, Nick, who you and I both know as is, is, is head of comms, is, is long overdue. I think Nick works tirelessly for the club, and I think that that's great because he has got great relationships. Um, people already will just continue to evolve. Uh, but a real Rangers man at heart, and I know that he will absolutely work for the best of the club. Um, and that's what we needed, right? Whether it's going to be the chairman or our head of comms, it has to be people who have got, you know, the, the desire to move the club forward at the absolute centre of what they're doing. So I think there's positive changes. I think you're right. I think it's difficult to say as to what the next level of recruitment will look and feel like because we have to do it with due diligence. We can't do it quickly because uh, these are important positions. An academy director, a head of academy, however you want to term it, you know, it's incredibly important for what happens next. The women's team need to continue to have their investment put within there as well. So there's a number of different facets in there. I think, Steve, it'll be interesting to see how we go on with it. But as long as we get these people in place and we are confident that they are the right people and we've got the, the due diligence done within our recruitment, then I'm confident uh, that we'll continue to succeed in that. It's certainly an interesting summer ahead, folks. I think that's fair. Just when we talk about the names that are left, the positions, when you, you look at, you've got commercially somebody to come in from James Bisgrove, you've got a, a head of youth development, you've got sport, and as Cammy said, or director of football, then you've got the women's manager, you've got replacements on the board. This is going to be a big summer. There's going to be potentially, you know, a lot of people coming in, and we've still got players to leave and players to come in. So I think what we'll do, Cammy, best time to announce probably that we'll catch up. I think just before the season starts, that would be a nice kind of uh, Rangers relay preview, I think, of the season ahead. Hopefully we'll have a better idea of, of where we are. And probably finally, last to say, thank you for everyone that has joined us throughout the season. Um, this has been a great collab to do. Obviously, between four lads and heart and hand, we have good relationships. Everybody gets on really well and we strive to kind of help and, and do our best fan media wise. So um, we've known each other a long time. I would have hoped, Cammy, that at the start of the season when we'd done our preview and we tipped league and cup wins, etc., that we would have been in a better place. Next time we're on the show, we'll do it all over again. And just thank you to everyone that's listened. But thank you also to you, my friend, for your company throughout the year. And let's hope that next season is a wee bit more successful. Yeah, absolutely. I just echo that as well, Stevie. Um, a tough listen. I know that people won't have an overwhelming desire to, to listen to a, sh a couple of shows about uh, where Rangers haven't won a trophy. But I think we've been fair in our assessment, as we always are and stuff as well. You're absolutely right. We'll be back again at the beginning of the next season to, to look at what will definitely um, be a different Rangers setup, I think is fair to say. So um, I think from us both, I hope everyone has a wonderful summer. Um, you can obviously check out our pods on patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And obviously the four lads had, a, had the dream blog. Stevie, you won't be taking any time off as well, I'm sure. No, it's still all go. Been quite good for transfer news so far. So we will continue and hopefully a good few bodies to come in. As I said, as Cammy said, check out heart and hand Patreon for as little as one ninety nine a month. That's less than a pint. And you can check out four lads had a dream. It is free. You should get a weekly blog. Um, to read from myself but as I said obviously during the summer that slightly goes off because there's less to write about signing news and things like that you'll get on both sites and with that Cammy, I think all that's left to be said is thank you for your company for the season thank you everybody for listening this has been Rangers Really. we will see you next season thank you
Social Podcast Network.